listen, I'm excited about uh, what God is doing uh, even now. So I'm excited about um, the word that God has given for today. Um, I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Um, I, in, my, in my prayer time and in my preparation time, uh, I was praying that God would give me uh, something new and something fresh uh, to start this year, to start this month, to start this decade. Uh, and, and I was praying that he would that he would just do something amazing and, and that I would go into a text that I had never really studied before and, and he would show me some things that I'd never seen. Um, but God actually uh, sent me to uh, not just to a familiar text, uh, but he also sort of uh, revamped a message that he gave me about a year and a half ago. And he said, I, I want you to preach this because I want everyone uh, to take these principles with them for the rest of this year. Um, so he sends me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, I want you to go down to verse 48 for me. Uh, drop down to verse 48. Uh, and once you have that, let me know you have it by standing to your feet, please. Some of you who have been with me in ministry for a while uh, have heard this before, um, but just pretend like you haven't and, and just say amen like this is the first time you heard me say it. Uh, just trick me. Don't, don't just make me think this was brand new. All right. All right. Um, 1 Samuel 17, uh, starting at verse 48. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It reads this way. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Um, the Bible says that as Goliath moved closer to attack, that David quickly ran out to meet him and reached into his shepherd's bag and took out a stone and hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell to the ground and David had victory over the Philistine with just a sling and a stone. He didn't even have a sword. And then he ran over and pulled Goliath's sword out and used his own sword to cut off his head. Um, we're going to pray. Uh, but before we pray, I want to let you know that I'm going to preach to you from, for a few minutes from this subject. Just do it. Just do it. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for another opportunity to go into your word, God. We thank you because no matter how many times we hear it, it's just as good as the last time. God. We thank you because 
your spirit continues to speak to us and reveal to us. Now, God, my prayer is that everyone under the sound of my voice be encouraged, be convicted, and be overall better when they leave than they were when they came. God, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And it's in that mighty name we say amen and amen. You may be seated in God's house. The Bible says, as the liar moved closer to attack, that David quickly ran out to meet him. David takes off running to meet Goliath, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell down, face down on the ground, and David triumphs, and he triumphs with just a sling and a stone. But he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from the sheath. David used it to cut off his head. Quick history lesson. Back in 1964, uh, a company was started by the name of Blue Ribbon Sports. Uh, Blue Ribbon Sports was started by two gentlemen by the name of Phil Knight and Bill Bowerman. Uh, Phil Knight was a, a middle distance runner, and uh, Bill Bowerman was a track coach. Uh, and so they decided to partner up to start a company called Blue Ribbon Sports. Bowerman spent uh, his spare time uh, unusually, uh, or unsuccessfully rather, attempting uh, to enhance the running shoe and um, Phil Knight was completing his MBA at Stanford, and he wrote an assignment suggesting uh, that manufacturing shoes in Japan uh, to compete with German, with German brands, uh, he, he writes this paper uh, suggesting to other companies that they, should, that they should manufacture shoes in Japan that compete with other German brands of running shoes. Uh, but as he writes this paper, as he's completing his MBA, he finds that no one wants to listen to him. Um, so what happened was Mr. Knight began to import the shoes himself and sell them locally. And initially, uh, Bowerman would not buy the shoes because he wanted equal stock, uh, so they became partners. Um, so they, they start this company, Blue Ribbon Sports, uh, to, to manufacture tennis shoes uh, specifically for Olympic runners that could compete with uh, the popular German brands of tennis shoes at that time. Um, and so they start this company, Bowerman is saying, hey, I'm, I'm not trying to really buy the shoes, I'm trying to buy into the company. He says, I'm, I'm willing to be a business partner with you. And so they start this company, and just one year later, uh, they, their sales reached $20,000 in profit, which is pretty good in business after just one year, uh, especially in 1964, to reach $20,000 in profit. Um, but by 1971, Blue Ribbon was struggling. Um, they were struggling and they realized that they needed to make a change in order to keep their business afloat. Uh, there were some adjustments that would need to be made in order for them to continue to stay afloat and not only stay afloat, 
but actually be prosperous. So in 1971, Blue Ribbon's name was changed to Nike. Uh, they changed the name to Nike, and they, they not only changed some things in the company, but they changed some things in the product that they were selling. So they changed the company name to Nike, and they created a newer, lighter design that debuted in the 1972 U.S. track and field trials. By 1982, that was 1971, by 1982, Nike was the number one supplier for athletic and training shoes in the United States. Now, um, Nike had already, uh, Blue Ribbon had already changed its name to Nike. They had already made the adjustments uh, to the shoe itself uh, to, to provide a newer, lighter style that would compete with the other manufacturers at the time. Uh, they became the number one selling athletic shoe in the United States, and the owners still felt like that wasn't enough. The owners decided that not only do we need to change the name, not only do we need to improve our product, but we need to add some flavor to it. So in 1985, they not only had the new name Nike, but they added the symbol that we know as the swoosh, along with the tagline, just do it. And in 1985, everything began to change because shortly after adding the swoosh and the tagline, just do it, they end up signing one of uh, the world's most famous athletes, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, a man by the name of Michael Jordan. And from that, from that point on, Nike has grown to be a multi-billion dollar company. And they started out as little old blue ribbon sports that was barely staying afloat in 1971 to almost having a chokehold style monopoly over the shoe industry and becoming a multi-billion dollar business. Now, now I was wondering why, why or how they came up with the tagline, just do it, and I couldn't find anything about uh, Mr. Knight or Mr. Bowerman that would give any implications or any idea as to why they chose that tagline. So I decided to just look into their stories and see if I could figure it out for myself. And I believe that one of the reasons why they chose the tagline, Just Do It, because when they, uh, before they started the company, if you remember, I told you uh, that Mr. Knight was trying to tell other shoe companies, listen, you need to start doing business differently if you want to compete, and no one would listen to him. Uh, Mr. Bowerman was a track runner himself, and he understood the issues that he was having with the shoes that were being provided and knew that something needed to be different. And so he says, I don't want to keep buying these shoes over and over again. I want to buy into a company where I can produce what I need. And, and even though it might have seemed crazy, both of them were in positions where people would not listen to them and they found themselves in a space where they just had to do it themselves. Yes, yes, yes. 
So I believe that they come up with the tagline, just do it, because sometimes you can't wait on somebody else to see greatness in you. Sometimes you can't wait on somebody else to post on your stuff. Sometimes you can't wait for somebody to encourage you. Sometimes you got to just gather up your own stuff, encourage your own self, and just do it. I see similar sentiment in the text with David in 1 Samuel chapter 17 because the Bible says in verse 48 that Goliath is approaching to attack and David takes off running to the attack to battle David. And I wonder if David had his Nikes on when he took off running toward the attack. But, but, but God, God wanted me to share a few things with you going into the new year. Some things that I think... Uh, will help you going into the new year because now you have a fresh start. 2019 is over. 2018 is in the wind. We don't even remember 2017. And so you have an opportunity to start fresh. This is the first Sunday of the, of the month. This is the first month of the year. This is the first year of the decade and the first day of the rest of your life. You have an opportunity to set the tone for whatever you want to see happen in your life and God wants you to know that as long as you stick with him just strap up your Nikes because you're going places and so David shows us some things in the text I need to give you uh, a couple of points but we got to go back in the text for you to get these points if you go back to verses 5 and through 7 of the same chapter you'll see that David just does it no matter the size of the enemy uh, and so I want to encourage you today, don't look at how big your obstacles are. Don't look at the giant size that's in front of you. God says, just do it no matter the size of your enemy. Verses 5 through 7 say this. Uh, Goliath, they're talking about Goliath, the giant, the Philistine giant uh, from Gath. Goliath wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. Uh, he also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder and the shaft of his spear was a heavy, was as heavy uh, and a heavy thick beam uh, tipped with an iron spearhead and the spearhead itself weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying his shield. Uh, it, it, took, it took a person, he couldn't, the armor bearer couldn't carry anything else because Goliath's shield was so heavy. And so Goliath was a big guy. He's like 10 feet tall carrying all of this stuff. Uh, he, he's over 9 feet tall, almost 10 feet tall. He has this bronze coat of mail that the coat by itself uh, weighs 125 pounds. His coat weighed probably more than David did at that time. His his spearhead was 15 pounds, and, and, and we think that 15 pounds is not very much, but drop a 15-pound dumbbell on your toe and see how heavy 15 pounds is. His, his spearhead by itself was 15 pounds, and then he has the shield and the bronze helmet and the bronze leg armor and he has the javelin and he has all of this stuff but 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 David is not intimidated by all of his stuff Amen. Amen. Okay. 
All right, let me tell it to you like this. If we in the vein of sports a little bit, most of y'all know that I played sports my whole life. I played basketball and most of my basketball career, my father was my coach. And, 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 and there was some good and some bad about having your dad as your coach. There, there was some good and some bad about that. If, if when your dad is the coach, if you're the best player on the floor, then everybody's going to say, well, he's only good because his dad's the coach and his dad makes sure that he can score all the points. And then if you're the worst player on the floor, everybody says he terrible and his daddy the coach. What they doing over there? But there's some pros and cons to having your father as your coach. And my father was and still is a student of the game of basketball. And my dad taught me a valuable lesson when I first started playing basketball. My dad took me to get my first pair of basketball shoes and he said, son, you get whatever shoes you want, whatever's going to be comfortable for you, that's what you get. And when we got to the gym, when we got to practice, there were kids who not only had on basketball shoes, but they had headbands around their head. They had uh, wristbands around their wrist. They had the long socks with the NBA logo on it. And my dad stopped right in the doorway and said, son, I want to tell you something. He says, the uh, general rule of thumb is the player that comes into the gym with all the stuff generally is the worst player in the room he says he says uh, the player with all the stuff has to look good because he ain't gonna play very good the player with all the stuff when, when you sitting on the bench you need a lot of stuff to put on to make sitting on the bench look good my dad told me when you really got skills you don't need no whole lot of stuff all you need is your shoes and your ball when you know what you can do you don't need no whole lot of extra stuff to carry with you. So David is not scared of Goliath's stuff because David understands that everything Goliath has is an intimidation factor. Everything Goliath has, he's trying to get into your head before the battle because the Bible says that Goliath was going around for days just taunting the Israelite army saying, are y'all scared? Just send somebody out. Just send one person out. Ain't no need in all of us fighting. Just send one person out to fight me. And Goliath was a bully. And if there's one thing I don't like, it's a bully. So Goliath knew that he was bigger than everybody and he thought because he was bigger than everybody that everybody was going to be scared of him and for a moment he was right because the Israelite army was afraid to face this giant but David who's not even supposed to be there David is only there because his brothers are in the army and his father sends him to bring his brother some food and David ain't even supposed to be there he's just coming to deliver some stuff well I'm telling you that I came to deliver a message to you today don't worry about how big the giant is because most of those giants are bullies. And if there's one thing you need to know about the bully is that all you need is one good punch against a bully. And I guarantee you, he'll never bully nobody else ever again. So, so David, David decides he's going to take off running toward the fight even though David is a teenager. He's a small boy and the Bible describes him uh, as a ruddy boy. He's scrawny. He's, he, he's just, a little, just a little boy. And David says it don't matter what it looks like. I got somebody on my side that gives me an unfair advantage. As long 
as God is on my side, there's no way I can lose. And David is frustrated with the Israelite army because David wants to know, how is it that you say you serve the God of Israel? How is it that you say you serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you letting this one man put fear in your heart? My question to you is, how is it that you say you serve the God that died for your sins? How is it that you say you serve a God that went into a tomb for three days but got up again with all power in his hand but you scared to apply for a job because you ain't got the right degree you scared to ask her on a date because your car is a little raggedy how is it that you scared when you say you serve the God of everything so David says listen I don't know what y'all got going on but I gotta just do it I'm not worried about the size of the enemy then David says, David shows us, David shows us uh, that you can, you can just do it and you can just do it just the way you are. You can do it just the way you are. Uh, verses 38 through 40 say this. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. And David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. David says, I, I, can't, I can't go in these. I can't do this. I can't go in these. Uh, he says, I appreciate you, King, but I, I, can't, I can't go in this. I'm not used to this. I, I can't go into a fight like this doing something that I'm not used to doing. Uh, so David took all of this stuff off, and he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. And then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. David is trying to tell you, you can fight your battles just the way you are. See, the problem is, the problem is the reason why some of us are lacking in victory is because we're trying to fight like we saw somebody else fight. The problem is some of us can't get to where we trying to go because we too busy trying to imitate somebody else. But if God wanted two of them, he would have made two of them. God made you to be you just like you and you the only you. David says, listen, you trying to put all of this stuff on me and I know you're the king. And get this, get this. David says, you're the current king and I'm the anointed king. But I still can't wear your stuff because, because we two different kind of kings. I can't. I, I can't do it like you want me to do it. I, I got to go for what I know. I, and, and even though I've never fought a giant before, I done done some stuff that I know if I just stick to what I know, that if God brought me out of that, he'll for sure bring me out of this. I wonder if anybody has that testimony in this place that God has brought me through too much. For me to lose trust in him now, even though I've never been through this before, I done been through that. And I know that if he brought me through that, then he'll for sure bring me through this. The Bible says that David takes off all the stuff that Saul tries to give him. David says, uh, Saul, if you wanted Goliath killed with this stuff, you should have killed him yourself. Yeah, yeah, that, that. I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's one of my pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is when somebody asks me to do something for them, but then they want to tell me how to get it done. If you wanted to get it done that way, or if you knew the best way to do it, what you call me for? If, if you knew 
what you was doing and if you were so good at it and if you had all of this knowledge and understanding, what we have in this conversation for now, I would be glad to help you. But what I need from you is just this one thing. Please move out of my way. Yeah, just just let me just let me do what I do. If you if you just let me do what I do, you'll see that the God that is on my side is greater than the enemy that's in front of me. It don't matter how big the giant is. It don't matter whether or not I got armor on. I can just do it no matter the size of the enemy and I can just do it just the way I am. God has said I already have what I need to be who I am. He says I don't need you to put your stuff on me for me to be great. I don't I don't need the Bible says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God has already set me apart and made me a, a royal priesthood and a part of a chosen generation. I don't need your stuff to be who I am. Get get that stuff out of here and let me do what I need to do. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Sometimes people's good intentions can get you killed. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sometimes because because Saul had good intentions mm-hmm. with giving David his stuff. Yes. But then David would have been forced to carry a burden that wasn't his to carry. Sometimes people's good intentions can get you killed. Sometimes Sometimes people's phone calls can get you way off track. Sometimes some, sometimes sharing too much of you too soon can get you way off track. Sometimes people's good intentions can get you real messed up. And so David says, listen, I know you mean well, but you can have your stuff back. Your, your, your stuff works just fine for you. He says there's nothing wrong with your armor. There's nothing wrong with your helmet. There's nothing wrong with your sword. That's just not for me. He says, he says if I go out there with your stuff, I'm going to be carrying your burden. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess up my movements. I, I ain't going to be able to move like I need to move if, if I'm carrying your stuff. See, here's the thing. You've got to be careful with being willing to accept somebody else's stuff. I tell you all the time, you you got to be careful when, when, when you look around and you say, everybody around me is buying a house and I want to buy a house. I need, I need to buy a house and then my house. Well, let me tell you something. I thought that buying a house was the greatest thing in the world until when it was time to call the maintenance man, I had to dial my own phone number. Yeah, I, that, the, the first snow, didn't nobody come out and put salt on my sidewalk but me. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was some stuff that, that went down that I didn't think about that was coming with being a homeowner. I, I didn't understand the burden that would come along with that blessing. And sometimes you can put yourself in a position and think you're ready for more than what you can handle because you're watching other people around you and you say, if they can handle it, I know I can handle it. I was talking to my brother Destry and he said, listen, I love being an entrepreneur, but I'm going to tell you, this life ain't for everybody. Everybody want to say I don't want to go to work and work for nobody. I want to work for myself. And he says, I work more for myself than I ever did working at 9 to 5. I don't know the burden that comes along with what I have to carry. So David says, listen, I got enough of my own problems and issues. I can't carry your stuff too. 
he says, I got to do it just the way I am. I got to. I got to do it how I do it. I got to I got to use the gifts that God has given me. I I can't I I can't do what you do. And see, uh, I ain't going to stay on this long cuz y'all not going to like it, but I already got the offer so so what? Um that, that's why many of the churches function in dysfunction because too many people are trying to function in gifts that are not theirs. See, see, the problem is I've been called to preach, but if I tried to get my behind be up behind that keyboard, all of y'all would walk up out of here. <laughs> yeah, see, 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 some of y'all, 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 y'all want to do stuff that ain't a part of what God has gifted you to do. Come on, come on. And if the church is functioning in dysfunction, it will soon disappear. So, so David says, listen, listen, I, I, I got, I, I can't, I can't do this. He says, I got to do it just the way I am. He says, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to just do it no matter the size of the enemy. I'm going to just do it just the way I am. You just do it just the way you are. But then the final thing David says is, I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. He says, I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord. He says, don't get it twisted. I ain't scared. But the reason I'm not scared is because I know who's on my side. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord. Verses 45 through 47 say this. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me uh, with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then, get this, David's a bad boy. He says, I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals for them to eat on. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everybody assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. The Lord is, this is the Lord's battle. And he will give it to us. Yeah, David says, I'm going to come. I'm going to just do it in the name of the Lord. He comes. He says, listen, you decided that you was going to come with a javelin, a shield, and a spear. Here's the problem. You came with all of this stuff. And not only do I know that your stuff is an intimidation factor. Not only do I know that your stuff is just there to cover up your insecurities. Not only do I know your stuff is just for show and you ain't really doing nothing with it. But here's the problem. You came to me against me with a bunch of stuff. You got all the best weapons. You got all the heaviest weaponry. But the problem hey, is hey. no weapon. So you came with the wrong stuff. See, you, you came with something that has already failed because the word of God says that, that the weapons might be manufactured. <laughs> but they won't prosper. The, the weapons might get used against me, but they won't work. The Bible says that when the enemy comes against you with weapons, that you already have the victory. So David says, David says, I come in the name of the Lord. And he says, your weapons that you got, all of that stuff don't mean nothing to me. I can come just as I am no matter how big you are because I come in the name of the Lord and then David says today today giant you will fall I need somebody in this room who's bold enough to look 
at their circumstances and bold enough to look at the enemy right dead in the face and say, this is the first Sunday of 2020 and today, yeah, today you will fall. Today, today you got to get out of my way. Today, God is going to use me for his glory. Today, everybody's going to see just how blessed I am. Today, everybody's going to see just how anointed I am. Today, everybody's going to see just how much power you don't have. Yeah, the Bible says that David looks Goliath right in the face and says, I just want you to know that this is going to be your last day. Yeah, this is going to be your last day. This is this is the first day of the rest of my life, but this is the last day for you today. I'm, I, I don't got time to be playing with you. I don't got time to draw this thing out. I don't got time to wait for the TV cameras or the Facebook Live. Today is the day that you got to go. It's some people in your house that you got to tell them today. You got to go. It's some people in your phone today. You got to go. You might as well clean out your social media today. You got to go. Today is the day that you got to go. Then David says, David says, listen. Listen. He says, David says, Goliath, not only am I going to do it, but I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do it. Yeah, David. David had a Muhammad Ali spirit on him. David said, "I'm not only am I gonna knock you out, but let me tell you what round I'm gonna knock you out in. I'm gonna, let, let me let you know what I'm gonna do. That there are rumors that that Michael Jordan would be on the court and he would tell his opponent and he would palm the ball out to tell his opponent exactly what he was gonna do. And his opponents would say, even though he told us there was nothing we can do to stop it. David said, "Listen." Listen, I, I, I'm so confident in my God that I'm not only going to do it, but I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do it before I do it. David says, listen, Goliath, um, understand this. God is going to be the one to conquer you. Amen. But I'm going to be the one to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, see here, here's what you got to understand. Here's what you got to understand. Some of y'all are right on the edge of your breakthrough. I mean, you right there on the edge of getting what God has promised you. I mean, you you just right there. You so close. You can almost touch it. You so close. But here's the problem. God has already conquered it. God's just waiting on you to kill it. All right. All right. So David says, David says, listen, God is going to give me victory. He's already given me victory. He's going to conquer you, but I'm going to kill you. He says, he says, listen, and when I do it, I'm going to do it in his name. Yes, yes. Uh, he says, he says, uh, I'm going to do the work, but God's going to get the worship. All right. All right. He says, he says, I'm going to go through the process and procedures, but I'm going to give God the praise. He says, he says, listen, God is going to conquer you, but I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to do it. In his name. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it in a way that brings him glory. I, I don't even want none of the attention for myself. I just want people to see through my life just how good God is. Is there anybody here that says, God, I don't even care how you do it. Just let somebody see your glory in my life. David says, I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord. Yes, uh, God. Yes, God. 
I wish I had more for you. Yes, God. I wish I could get you more happy going into 2020. Yes, God. Yes. But that's just about it. Amen. Uh, David says just do it no matter the size of the enemy. He says just do it just the way you are. He says yes, just do it just do in the name of the Lord. But then in verses 50 and 51, it says, So David triumphed over the Philistine and with a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When God initially gave me this message, it was about a year and a half ago, uh, during the controversy or, or a chapter of the controversy between the NFL and Colin Kaepernick. And the NFL and Colin Kaepernick have or were and still are at odds. And then Nike steps in. Colin Kaepernick is not on any NFL roster. He's not currently playing any professional sport. And Nike steps in and signs Colin Kaepernick to a deal. And so, and so I was listening to one of my favorite preachers, uh, Dr. E. Dewey Smith in, in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And, and Dr. Smith said, Dr. Smith said that, uh, that, that Nike in Greek meant victory. Hallelujah. Dr. Smith says that Nike in Greek meant victory. Um, and so and so I'm the type of person, y'all know me by now, I'm the type of person, uh, even though he's one of my favorite preachers, I, I just can't afford to take your word for it. Uh, I had to go look some stuff up for myself and I found some interesting things. Nike in Greek does mean victory. But it means victory because Nike was actually a Greek goddess. Mm. <laughs> Nike was a Greek goddess of victory. But then, and, and, so, and so it blessed me, uh, Dr. Smith's message blessed me because I found that what he said was accurate. But I kept reading. I kept reading about Nike. And what I found was that Nike, uh, which means victory, also had three sisters. Uh, uh, Nike means victory, and in Greek mythology, uh, victory stayed close to Zeus. And Zeus is modeled after our God, Jehovah. Okay. So, so, so in order to get to victory in Greek mythology, you had to be close to Zeus. In order to get close to victory, you had to be close to God because victory never left God's side. God never lost sight of victory. But then I read that victory had three sisters. Victory had three sisters. I'm going to give you Victory's three sisters' names. I want to introduce you to Victory's three sisters because if Victory stays close to God and you have to get close to God to get Victory, 
uh, and victory has three sisters, that means that if you get close to God that can get close to victory, then you can get close to victory's three sisters. Okay. So I just want to introduce you real quick to victory's three sisters. The first of victory's three sisters is a young lady by the name of Zealous. And zealous means zeal or power. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Y'all got to wake up. Y'all party too hard for the new year. Victory is close to God, but victory has a sister named zeal or power. So if you get close to God, then you can get close to victory. And you get close to victory, you get some zeal and some power. The Bible says... The Bible says that we that, that if we get close to God, that we can get close to victory and we can get close to power. Y'all wondering what scripture I'm talking about. Paul wrote it. He said, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Okay, listen, y'all got to really understand what's going on. In order to get victory, you got to get close to God. If you get close to God, then you can get victory. And you get victory because victory is close to power. And it, Okay, all right, let me introduce you. Let me introduce you to Victory's other sister. Victory has another sister by the name of Bick. B-I-C. Victory has another sister by the name of Bick. And uh, uh, Bick's name means force. All right. Um, uh, so, so if you get close to God, then you can get some victory because right behind victory is power and right behind power is force. See, there's a difference between force and power. Ask any boxer. There's a difference between force and power. Ask any physicist. There's a difference between force and power. Uh, but if you get close to God, then you can get some victory because pushing victory is power and force. Um, force uh, gives you the authority and the capability to do a thing. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so victory is close to God. So if you get close to God, then you can get close to victory. And behind victory is power. And behind power is force, which is the capability and the authority to do a thing. Here's some Bible for you. If God be for me, who can be against me? If God before me, he's more than the world against me. If God is on my side, I not only have the authority, but I have the capability to defeat the giants that are in front of me. Whatever is in front of me, if God is behind me, then I have victory, power, and force. And then the last of, of victory sisters is a young lady by the name of Crawless. Crawless, K R A. L-A-S, Crawless. And get this, behind victory is power, behind power is force, and behind force is Crawless. And Crawless's name means strength. So if you get close to God, then you can get victory. If you get close to victory, behind victory is power, and behind power is force, and behind force is strength and my Bible says I don't know what your Bible says but my Bible says I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength it, it don't matter the size of the giant I can just do it and I don't need your stuff I can do it just the way I am and, and, and when I do it I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord because if I get close 
to him, then I get close to victory. And if I get close to victory, then I'll give me some power. And if I give me some power, he'll give me the authority. And as long as I got the authority, he'll make sure I got the strength. And even when I get tired, uh, even when I get tired, he says, don't be weary and well-doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he says, uh, as a matter of fact, when you get tired, just wait on me because they that wait on the Lord shall renew their Okay, I need y'all to make sure I need to make sure that y'all know y'all's Bible because, because the Bible says that if you stay in the presence of God that there's no way you can lose. So my question to you is what's stopping you from just doing it? Yeah, you, you, got a, you got a whole year to go. Yeah, you got a whole year to go, and, and God has promised you some stuff. Uh, and, and, and here's the thing. Let me, let me say this real quick because, because I don't want to be irresponsible. I feel like in, 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 at the end of December and the beginning of January, every year preachers all over the country, all over the world are telling you this is your year. Mm -hmm. This is your year. They, they told you that in... Uh, 2000, they told you that in 2007, they told you that in 2013. Um, and, 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 and here's what I came to tell you. Uh, I came to tell you the same thing that they came to tell you. This is your year. <laughs> this is your year. Uh, um, but the problem is, I don't know what this is your year for. So, so, so I'm confident that this is your year. What I don't know is what this is your year for. I, I, I don't know if this is your year to plant, or I don't know if this is your year to reap. I don't know if this is. I, I don't know if this is the year of training, or I, and I don't know if this is your year of performance. I, I don't know. I don't know what what this is your year for. But I do know that this is your year. And here's the thing: whatever it is that this is your year for, I want you to just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strap, strap your Nikes up and just do it because this, this ain't no sprint. This is a marathon. God said, I got too much in store for you to put it on a hundred meter dash. I need you to be ready for this marathon. I need you to be ready for the long haul. I need you to be a distance runner because I got too much in store for you for you to be trying to sprint this thing. You, you're not going to make it. But God said, listen, all you got to do is stick close to me. And if you stick close to me, I'll introduce you to victory. And if you need victory, victory will introduce you to some power. And once you get your power, you'll get your authority. And when you 